Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessus Magazine. Today on the show is the return of Todd from the Longbox Heroes podcast. We're going to talk about the new season of Doctor Who, the first couple episodes, and some spoilery bits of what's coming up on this season, but nothing that you haven't seen already in the teaser trailer. We also talk about the Gallifreybird project that they are doing on Longbox Heroes, where they watch old Doctor Who and old wrestling. Then we have some comics chat, both new books and some old books. Also, to let everybody know, we will be setting up at Powerbomb TV's Breaking the Barrier wrestling show in on June 11th in Old Forge, PA. We hope to have a new issue of the magazine out at the show. For more information, you can go to Powerbomb TV. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Across the void beyond the mind, the empty space that circles time, I see where others stumble blind to seek a truth they never find. Eternal wisdom is my guide. I am a doctor. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. The new season of Doctor Who has begun, and to talk about that and some other stuff in the world of pop culture, we are happy to welcome back Todd from the Longbox Heroes podcast. How's it going, Todd? Everything's doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, the better half of the, the Longbox Heroes podcast, by the way. I will, I will say yes, except in a couple of weeks when Joe is back on, and then I will say he is the better half, because you know how that, you got to play both sides against the middle. Did you ever watch the Outlaw Josie Wales? Yes. Probably. The, the the ferryman? Yeah. He's like, in my line of work, you have to be able to sing Battle Hymn of the Republic and Dixieland with equal enthusiasm. So I'm fine with it. Cool. Uh, like you said, we are three weeks into the new season of Doctor Who. Uh, what are your what are your initial impressions of the season so far? Um, I like it. But I don't love like I look at it as just above uh, liking. I'm not blown away by it. The first episode made me, I believe the word is pop a few times for uh, classic Easter eggs. Um, Then after that, I did not really like the second episode. I think the second episode was brilliant ideas that never stuck the landing on any of them. And then the third episode I like because it's the the companion's education into how the doctor's life really works. Um, and you get the classic doc, doctor speeches. Other than that, I'm really uh, interested in what's in the vault. And I like Nardone. I like I love uh, Matt Lucas as a character from his time on Little Britain and uh, all the other shows that, that he did. So, I mean, even Pompidou and all that stuff, I I'm a big fan. So but overall. I think it's it, it's not the greatest uh, start to a season. I believe I said to someone the other day that there's been great acting and great character performances so far, but I would say the stories have not been the best. I thought uh, the one this week that is set in uh, early 1800s England when the Thames is frozen, mm-hmm. it, re- it reminded me a lot of the the early Matt Smith episode where the city is on the back of the whale. Yes, the beast below. And yeah. it also reminds me a lot of the Torchwood episode where they were keeping that alien chained up because it would regenerate and it was making food. Yeah, I I have only watched only a handful. I was not a Torchwood fan, so I sort of know 
some of the plots, but I I gave up early on in the first season. So I'm one of those people who was very hesitant about about Chris Chibnall taking over a showrunner, but we'll probably get to that later. Um, right. But yeah, I and I noticed again that I don't know if they've deviated from this in the past, but it seems like again we're doing that formula that they've established in New Who, where like the first episode introduces somebody new. The second episode is an episode in Earth's future, and then the third episode is like a historical episode that we're mm. back. To, we're back to that formula, and then we'll get the two-parter. Yeah, you know, like there is a like it was. I, as a matter of fact, all joking aside, I was talking with a a friend of mine today who's a a lesser Doctor Who fan, like you know, a casual Who fan, if you will, and he was like, "Yeah, it's kind of like it just seems like we're we're sticking to the to the formula." And like he even said, he's like, "I think we're gonna get you know a double." you know, a two-parter next. And I'm like, yeah, possibility. Um, I think when it's all said and done, I think Capaldi is going to be a great Doctor Who who was wasted with not the best stories. Yeah, and I think that's frustrating for some of us in that we know he is such a big Doctor Who fan himself that it's kind of disappointing that he has not had a lot of A-plus material so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most people would probably say his best episode was Heaven Sent last year. The one, you know, the 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 soliloquy one, soliloquy one, yeah, the, the one where he's alone all the whole time. I guess yeah, the solo episode, the bottle episode, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you whatever you want to call it. But it just seems like he's had a lot of moments where he's been great, but overall, he hasn't really been served. Like, you know, the the Zygon story was was pretty good, but he had a couple of monologues in that that were great. And again, mm-hmm. in this like in like this week, he had a pretty good monologue, and you know, and okay, the slightly okay, better than okay episode. So yeah, right. it's it seems it's the kind of thing where you know, hopefully, in like ten years time. You know, we have Capaldi doing, like, big finish audios where he really gets to, like, cut his teeth into stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That, is cert- I mean, he's a big star, so you don't know, like, what kind of time he'll have to do sort of ancillary things. But you get the feeling that as a Who fan that he will be he'll be more inclined to do some of that kind of stuff than, say, somebody like, you know, Eccleston, who really hasn't done hardly almost anything at all Doctor Who related mm-hmm. since he left. Right. And when you say that with big star, I'm like John Hurt, you know, you don't get much bigger than John Hurt when it comes to people who played the doctor. I mean, he's passed away and all, but he even did some of the, the, the big thing. He found time, you know what I mean? So you could work it into your schedule if you want to do it. And going back to talking about like, you know, moments, I stand on par, like, you know, on par with all the other doctors, him entering medieval times on a tank with an electric guitar is one of the greatest moments like, you know, not, not the best episode, not, but the, I get goosebumps when I, when I think about it, that is maybe my small favorite doctor who moment. Cause like to me, all doctors like have their moments, especially in the, the, the new who's they have their moment when they become the doctor to me, you know what I mean? And it took a while, but like, that's your moment to me. That's him. The the Pandorica speech with Matt Smith. You know what I mean? Eccleston kind of I'm trying to think of like uh, uh, 
everybody lives rose there's all these moments you know and but out of all of them capaldi on the tank is the coolest thing i've ever seen in doctor who history that i thought man that was close that was fun on the verge of being a little silly but i agree it's certainly it's certainly a memorable moment that you know will probably be like his lasting image i would imagine Mm-hmm. And the thing with me liking, and if I'm if I'm rambling too much, let me know. Um, if uh, the thing I like about Capaldi, and I think it's what sells him short to a lot of fans, is his throwback to the classic Doctors. You know, we've had Eccleston, who was lesser than the next two, Matt Smith and Tennant, who were you know the charmers, the darlings. You know, Matt, uh, especially Tennant, the good looker. Where you have like I, I always say it when they did that special to announce the new Doctor, and it was. Capaldi and he came out channeling William Hartnell holding the lapels doing the look to the audience with the, t- the head tilt I lost my mind Mark I was like I'm all in on this guy I I agree and you know I think people have said he's like kind of Hartnelly. he's a little pertwitty especially you know when he had the sort of magician jacket mm-hmm. that one season so yeah I think he's one of the people that can put elements of the pe- like, he knows how to work in the idiosyncrasies of some of the old doctors. I think I think Tennant did too because Tennant was an old fan so he knew how to occasionally work that in and I think Smith did to a lesser extent cuz it seemed like he studied a lot of the old doctors cuz I know there were people who said that, like sometimes he could be very troutony. Mhm. You know, so I think, you know, it's good that when you have, you know, a guy playing the doctor who knows who the doctor was and can, you know, especially when and when it's somebody as good an actor as Capaldi is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I could see it with all those guys, you know, like the the nods, the little nods here and there. And, and that's good. I like that you can bring you know, your own take to it and you can, and you can, you can respect the past. And it's a reason that this show will go on forever because there's no end to, to what you can do. Have you seen any of the teaser stuff for the remainder of the season before I blatantly ask about it? Um, I have seen the, the coming this season. So I know about appearances by certain actors and, you know, I don't know, like, what you want to ask me. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know just about everything. Okay. I, yeah, I did not want to, to ask something you did not want to know about. But, so, uh, if you, people may want to skip ahead a couple minutes if they don't want, if they have not seen the this season teaser. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, we're apparently getting getting John Sim back as the master. May, perhaps, with... Um, Missy with Missy in the same episode, we might get a two master episode, which, you know, we've never had on the TV show before, which is funny. I, cause I, I, I thought about it and I would love, I'm actually all in on an Anthony anally coming, showing up somehow secretly. Is he still alive? No, he's not. Oh, he passed away. I thought he yeah. was still alive. I thought, I know Delgado was killed in the car crash years and years ago. Oh, cause that would have been cool. I was hoping because I don't keep track of tabs on too many of the, the, the past actors other than the Doctors. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because we've had multi, multiple Doctor episodes, but we've never had a multiple 
uh, master episode and you and team ups of villains isn't something that, you know, is big in the show either. So I'm actually pumped for this. Yeah, I believe they've done they've done uh, Big Fish has done multiple master stuff. But, yeah, we've certainly never seen it on the TV show. And I guess you could always get around that by um, they could use sort of the post regeneration degenerating master. You know, you could, right. get a, you could get away with that as a representative of sort of the the classic master if you had to. Or you could just, you know, just cast somebody, you know. I mean, Anthony Ailey sort of, you know, worked because he sort of looked like Roger Delgado. So it was believable that it was the same guy. And, you know, or bring back, uh, oh, what's his name? The, uh, the old master. Before you regenerated into John oh, Sim, yeah, he was on. He was in uh, Gladiator as one of the as one of the, the the senators. I know who you mean, and I loved him when he when he goes full on. I am the master. You will obey me. I'm like cool because that's one of the things that I that kind of threw me off about Sim was I was not always a big Sim fan because it seemed I always liked the mustache twirling master who was totally evil, and he seemed too much like the chaos bringer, the Joker. And I was like, I, I kind of like cool, coordinated, uh, you know, long game master, but you know, like the doctors change. I'm, I'm okay with it. I was okay with it in the end. Yeah. Uh, for some fact checking, uh, we were, we were talking about Derek Jacoby, who I can't believe I forgot who it was. And Anthony Ainley passed away in 2004. Ooh, I, I'm way off then. What right. was that, like 13 years ago? Yeah. So wow. uh, uh, the other cool thing that we are apparently getting this season, and it sounds like it was uh, a lot of lobbying on Capaldi's part, is we are getting the original uh, Cyberman, the guy, the, the sock-headed Cyberman, for lack of a the better term. The, the, the Mondasian. Yeah, and yeah. I think that is that – is, very cool. I mean, I was one of those people who who marked out when we finally got the Zygons back, mm-hmm. you know, because they were a one villain wonder. But it was such a great episode, and then they were never used again. Right. You know, so I think seeing, you know, a, you know, a villain that goes all the way back to the last Hartnell episode, I think is, is pretty cool. And we, I mean, we've had what four or five different kinds of Cybermen probably in in New Who, so. Seeing the original one, I think, is very neat. Right, and they're all technically not even the Cybermen from our world. You have to go back to the the, the other Rose Tyler world. That's where the Cybermen kicked off, didn't they? Yeah. So it's not like it's weird. It's all it's all that. So, but I like the idea of the Mondasian Spider uh, Cybermen. I like the idea that Capaldi's technically the new set of regeneration. So he's the new first Doctor. Um, so the Mondasians were what did the first doctor in kind of a deal. I, I like the, the, you know, as Joe always says, it's poetry because it rhymes with it. So I'm completely down with it. Yeah. So I, yeah, so that's stuff I'm looking forward to. Uh, we won't mention some of the other rumors that are going around because I don't, <laughs> I don't know how, how concrete they are and they weren't sourced very well. So we'll, We'll leave those be. The other, uh, the other Doctor Who thing I guess we can talk about is one of the things that you guys are doing on Longbox Heroes is once a month 
on a segment that you're called Gallifrey Birds, unfortunately mm-hmm. not called Barusa Brody, as somebody I know suggested. Um, yeah, well, I know that guy. He has some yeah, bad no. ideas. Um, you are giving Joe an episode of uh, an episode of Doctor Who to watch, and he is giving you a wrestling pay per view to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have done the four Doctor. You're, you're up to Tom Baker, so this month uh, it'll be Peter Davison. I'm not going to ask you to reveal uh, your choice for that because they said it's still a couple weeks away. But why don't you uh, explain how you've made the choices that you've made so far? Because um, there's there are always varying degrees of quality every doctor, and then there are some that are more newbie friendly, and there are some that are more continuity heavy. So uh, how have you been choosing the ones that you're choosing? I've been choosing the ones, first of all, whether I like them or not. That's important to me because I believe Joe's giving me wrestling matches that are, you know, he's not trying to give me the worst. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay. So then after I started it, my whole, I had a whole curricular, uh, I had a whole like uh, class set up where Joe was going to learn things and each, you know, like whatever I needed, I could plug in wherever. And then there's, there's a I way overthought it. And then I gave him the Aztecs. And I began to see what he liked. He, what he liked was the the villain who was over the top. I call him like the he, he had the makeup on, looked like the Joker, but he was he was chewing scenery. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I have to throw this whole thing right out the window. And then when I went to two, I was like, my two choices were Tomb of the Cybermen and Enemy of the World, because Enemy of the World has the dual trout and roll and the trout and roll he's chewing scenery with the spanish accent and you know trout and plays does salamander for a little bit and i gave him that maybe looking back i should have get, given him uh tomb of the cybermen but i don't know he enjoyed it so maybe he would have liked tomb of the cybermen better uh and then when i got to three i wanted to give him inferno but because that's my favorite one but i thought you know, what did I give him for three? Now my brain is fried. Uh, one of the, the Terror of the, Terror of the Autons. Terror of the Autons. I wanted to give him a master episode because I thought that was important. You know what I mean? So, and, and like you said, I didn't, when I got to four, my two choices, my three choices were Genesis of the Daleks, uh, City of Death, and the one I chose, The Talons of Wen Chiang, which The Talons of Wen Chiang is my, might be my favorite classic episode uh, on the show. We talk about the racism and everything. I get it. But I think it's one of the darkest episodes that they ever did on, on uh, classic Doctor Who. But the reason I didn't give him Genesis, which I think would have been the stronger one that he even would have liked more for Davros and everything, is then you get into the Dalek stuff. And it's like, you know, well, you got to explain things. And I try not to give them episodes that are too continuity heavy, like you said, because then it's like, oh, all right. Like if I wanted to give them in the future something that was with the with the Daleks, you got to make sure you have Genesis. And then it gets, well, what happened after that? And I'm like, uh, too much. So I like to keep it friendly to him to be able to understand because he's never watched Doctor Who before, but also get new ideas like to get to see the master and unit and the brigadier and the third doctor. If any of that makes any sense, Mark. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think with like, especially with Pertwee and Tom Baker, I think you had so many to choose from 
mm-hmm. that I think would have been good. Like with Pertwee, like you said, Inferno is a really good episode. I really like because I like Liz Shaw. But that's mm-hmm. also weird because it's the classic sort of mirror mirror thing where you've got like the evil versions of the characters and while it's great it's like well you really don't know like he's not totally familiar with all these characters and then seeing the evil versions i don't know you know how well that that would have worked and the other one i thought would have been a good choice is would have been the demons because it's all you know it's a master episode and it's very over the top and it's like very sort of that sort of like it's kind of hammer horror-y, I guess, in mm-hmm. a way that you know you've got this demon, you got the little gargoyle guy running around, and or or I would have thought Pyramids of Mars would have been good because I really love Pyramids of Mars, and that's another one where you've got this sort of big over the top bad guy, but it's the kind where he doesn't really do anything. You know, what I mean? it's like if that one's a four parter, he's you know he like doesn't show up until like episode three. Other mm-hmm. than like making these cameos, and and that's another one that's you know kind of horror-y because you got robots dressed as mummies and you've got all sorts of wackiness. But there's so much to pick from from Tom. You know, you got seven seasons of Tom Baker, so you've got like thirty episodes to pick from. Mm-hmm. So and now now I'm getting into the troublesome area. You know what I mean? For a little while. Like... Yeah, we were we were briefly talking before we started about about choosing a Davison episode. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not asking to you, for you to reveal anything, but you know, you've only got three seasons of Davison and some of the episodes are, are kind of clunkers that I wouldn't mm-hmm. nec- that I, you know, like I wouldn't want to show him like Kinda or snake dance. Cause I think those are kind of, those are kind of weird. You know, then you've got the black guardian episodes with, mm-hmm. which, you know, which are decent, and then there's a there's a couple gems that like I really like Black Orchid, which you know, which is which is only a two parter, and doesn't really have a whole lot of science fiction mumbo jumbo. It doesn't have any like other than the opening and the ending. The yeah. rest of it is a murder mystery. And spoiler alerts to anybody who hasn't seen the thirty year old. Uh, Doctor Who episode, it's really all just, you know, the, the, the family member hidden in the cupboard, you know, and I, that is a great episode in that it's one of the very few that you ever see with no, uh, with no sign, no alien after the first couple, because I think the, the second Doctor was the last one where they did straight up historical pieces with no alien, uh, you know, uh, monsters or anything like that. But then after that, everything, but Black Orchid seems to have something like that. So I like that one, too. Yeah, and it's funny because then you get, and I don't know what order these going off the top of my head, but, you know, then, like, you have Visitation, which is another historical episode, but it ends with a monster, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a monster that I think started the London Fire, if I remember. Yes, it did. If I remember right. But, yeah, but I think there's a lot of really good Davison episodes. You know, you get, you know, the couple Master episodes are good, um... Even though lots of people don't like him, I like Chameleon, even though he only had a couple of... That's one of those things that I think probably works better now, like in print or maybe in audio, because it didn't it didn't really work well on the show, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a great concept. Well, the cluster that happened be- behind the scenes with well, that, yeah, too, was... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. So, no, I was yeah, going like, to say, he had, that's one of those things that sort of, 
I don't know if tarnish is the right word, but, you know, but handicaps a lot of the Davidson episode is just sort of production stuff. Right. So, you know, like, and so by the time you get to, like, Planet of Fire and Caves of Androzani, which, you know, are, like, two of the better episodes, it's like, oh, but now here's the end, you know, now it's the end. And then they bring in Perry, who's not the strongest of the companions, with her unwavering uh, American accent. Um, so you get that, but yeah, uh, caves and, 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 uh, planet of fire, uh, they, they are two strong episodes. And I think it was sad because he was, he was just hitting his stride with those two episodes and you know, and what happens happens. And then we get into Colin Baker, you know, not the greatest companion in the world, but, uh, but like 14 year old me watching doctor who was a big, was a big fan of Perry. Mm-hmm. A memorable first appearance. And it's it's funny, too, because I've seen her in conventions before. And, you know, her telling some of the stories about, like, how she got, like, how she got cast. And there's a bunch of really crazy stories. So, like, if you ever, like, see the like, the audios or, like, mm-hmm. there's probably on YouTube of, like, her explaining the thing about, yeah, about her pretending to be an American so that, you know, th- you know that's why, you know, John Nathan Turner wanted to cast her and all this, you know, and certainly being pretty and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun that, you know, she's, you know, she's turned into like a convention regular and she's like one of the better, uh, people on that circuit. I think it's funny. Her and her and Baker are like a great sort of double act at the conventions, which is funny considering how their relationship on their, their incontinuity relationship ended up, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, the thing that I like about Davison is we're getting in his run is I thought Davison had some really great companions. I re- like whether they were hand like now let's not talk about Adric. Let's um, other the Adric the greatest uh, ending to one of the worst companions. But Tegan, what I just recently rewatched all of the Fifth Doctors and Tegan I liked. I thought she, you know she was fun and Charlo is the skeezy like. As I, I think I use for something I use for something else with uh, J- with Jago is the brave coward. I, I I like the ideas that they had a lot of the, the 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 companions. I thought it was I thought the fifth was a good run, but it's the it's the end of the good run of the classic Doctor. Yeah, I always liked Tegan because she wasn't sort of just the usual like yes doctor no doctor kind of i mean i like nissa a lot but nissa is sort of the traditional old school you know super smart you know always sort of does the right thing always listens to the doctor kind of thing and tiga being sort of as you know as she was later dubbed a mouth on legs mm-hmm. you know i like it when you have sort of a companion that is there to sort of i don't know disagree or be devil's advocate or not always take what the doctor's giving. I think, I think that could be good in a companion, especially when you've got like three companions at once. Oh, the, as they call it, the crowded TARDIS era. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's why I will, I will fight, uh, Craig from, uh, the, the puzzle wars podcast. And when he attacks Donna Noble, I stand up, you know, high and i'm like bring it because i love donna noble as a companion so different especially after martha and rose well i am i am uh i am on the craig side of that argument we won't we won't we won't have it now but i i i I like the idea of having like 
of breaking the sort of romantic companion thing. Um, and I like some of the things that the character brings. I'm just, I was not a fan of Catherine Tate before she became a companion. Mm-hmm. So I does not necessarily like her being the, the, the best thing about Donna Noble to me is that you got Wilf. I think Wilf is like the best non-companion companion of like the modern era. And mm-hmm. I would have loved it if, you know, they would have like written out Donna and then had Wilf be the companion, especially since you know that, you <laughs> know, Bernard Cribbon actually goes back to the Peter Cushing movies. So right. it's like, and... so it's this nice, it's a, it's a nice wink. Right. And he was up for being the doctor. At right. One point. There's that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love Wilf. Donna, not as much. So I love her ending, actually. That's the one thing that I they stick the landing to me with the ending of Donna's run with the with the doctor. But that's my opinion. It's better than her going off in her own TARDIS with her pal to have adventures in the heartbeat before she dies or whatever that goofy explanation is for what happened to that so, one I did not like. I did yeah. not like Clara's ending. She, they should have just offed her straight up the first one since Adric. You know what I mean? I, you know, I liked the fact they were going to kill her off, and then they didn't. I actually liked when they when they were sort of going to kill her off as being really, really old. You know, in, in the, the Christmas, in the Christmas. That I thought was a great way to go, but then, you know, they decided one more season, you know, I guess as sort of like the bridge companion and all that kind of stuff but i thought you know the the sort of old the old person dying kind of ending i really like although it's not i think they've they may have done it before but it's not not often i mean one you don't kill your companions off you, mm-hmm. you sort of give them happy endings or at least something like a happy ending Right. Well, even with Amy and Rory, it was like, oh, they were shunted in the past and they're died. I can never see them again. But they live happily ever after together. You know what I mean? So right. it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's only so many endings that you can give a companion. To me, it's like they fall in love and they leave. They get scared and they leave. They're tired of like the, the adventure. You know what I mean? So it's like there's a handful of there's a, it seems like a way to, to do it. And I like when they do creative things like Donna. So but, you know. Uh, so the other half of the Gallifreyberts thing is Joe giving you some some wrestling to watch, mm-hmm. and now that you've watched a couple, um, it seems like the biggest takeaway I've gotten so far is that you love Bobby Heenan, which all of us love Bobby Heenan, but you really love Bobby Heenan on commentary. Oh yeah, sure. Like now, let's get things straight too. Is I know who Bobby Heenan was. It's not like I'm a Right. You know, and I re- I remember Bobby Heenan and I liked Bobby Heenan from the little bit that I saw of him, but I didn't see uh, whatever Royal Rumble it was. Like I never saw that. Right. So to see him do that commentary is some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard and I love it. Like so yes, I I just I just relate to Bobby Heenan and I know it sounds funny especially with my and I say it on the show is I didn't realize how much I'm stealing from him without you know hearing it so i just like his i just like his 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 take on things i I think it's hysterical yeah the the rumble commentary probably now in hindsight might be like the most famous thing he did on commentary because you know (laughs) it's a whole hour and you know 
it's the thing where you have to know that he was managing Flair, or, well, sort of managing Flair, but he was with Flair. And the whole... And then you have the narrative of the Rumble where you have Flair fighting all of these people, and some of whom were, like, people he had feuded with in the past in other companies, so mm-hmm. they could kind of wink and acknowledge without really saying it. And just the whole, you know, the whole be fair to Flair and him begging and, you mm-hmm. know, double turning. And it's just between that and, I guess, like when Hogan finally turned heel in the NWO and, like, Bobby Heenan got to gloat and gloat and gloat and tell people how he had always said these things about Hogan and nobody ever believed him. And now mm-hmm. I'm right. And it was it's just I... a, it was such a great thing. I wonder if I'm wondering if that'll be on the list. We'll have to see. I could I could easily see that that being on the list. I know he's I kind of can see a pattern of things that he has picked. Like I understand why he's picked certain things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm curious to see where he has gone this far. And like you said, you haven't picked a intentionally bad Doctor Who episode. I don't think he's picked an intentionally bad pay per view. Although there are some that are famous for how bad they were. So I, I'm, he, I'm, I'm curious if he may eventually pick one of those for you. I, you know, I joked, I said, and he doesn't know. I'm saying you're getting a sixth and a seventh Doctor episode. So if you want to slide a bad pay-per-view in, that's completely understandable. Um, but he gives me clues all the time to what I'm getting, and I have no idea. You know, like, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, like I, I, it means nothing to me. It goes in one year. Like, it's like when he tells me wrestling stories. I'm like, yeah, okay, I I guess. I don't know. And I could come out and say right now, if he was even listening to this, the episodes that I'll give him. And I know he wouldn't know what the hell I was talking about. So, Yeah, but so, yeah, uh, you'll have the next one of those in a couple weeks. And like I said, that'll run all year. I guess, I guess then the question becomes when you get to, when you get to McGann, like, do you have an option that isn't the movie or have you you not gotten there yet? I I really, to be honest, I think everybody knows what I'm giving him for the McGann. Like, I'm not, I'll I'll spoil this one because I'm not giving him audio plays. It's just not happening. Um, So he's getting the eighth doctor movie. Like, I don't, what else do you get? He hasn't seen it. You know what I mean? Um, maybe I'll tack on the, I, I'm, I know he's seen the, 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 the short with the eighth doctor. Um, so, you know, I don't have much of a, a repertoire to give him. So if he's getting the eighth doctor movie, spoiler alert. Yeah. So, yeah. So people can look forward to that for, uh, the rest of the year, once a month on the long box heroes after dark, uh, Friday episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, before we go, we can do some some quick comics chat. Um, we this week, I think, if they're assuming there's one this week, will be part three of the button, which I know you've been enjoying very much so far. Mm-hmm. I've I've loved the button. I think it's I think everything they've done with Rebirth has been amazing. I like the fact that it's you know. Rebirth. We have the the Watchmen tease in, in the in the first e- Rebirth issue, and then they've slowly doled it out as not to overwhelm anyone. And now we're getting the Button four part miniseries, which me and Joe always talk about is even better because I'm reading both Batman and the Flash, and I believe this will lead into something down the line. And 
hopefully, well, probably because we already have the previews out. It's not leading directly into something. We're going to get like, it's going to be parceled out and I'm, and I'm completely fine with that. I like the way DC's doing it. Yeah, indeed. There isn't, yeah. Batman 22 is indeed this week, which will be part three. Um, I, I, yeah. And like you, I, I really liked uh, some of the Easter eggs they've worked in to that so mm-hmm. far. Like uh, some of the stuff that was in the JLA trophy room. Oh, the beetle. Yeah. Ugh. So happy to see that. Um, is there anything else right now that uh, you're really enjoying? Um, there's a, there's a lot that I, the, the best book that's, uh, that, that I love right now. And I got Joe to read it. I know we talk about it on the show all the time is Hal Jordan and the green lantern Corps. If you're a, if you were a John's green lantern fan, the new 52 green lantern was terrible. Um, but this saves it. I, I love it. It, it has all the, the, the green lantern characters that I love. And I, Venditti gets them 100% right from, you know, even now Kyle's in there in the classic costume. Um, one of my, probably the second best green lantern costume after Guy Gardner's, um, in, you know, comics to me. Uh, that's not something I am reading. However, uh, if people want to pick up a Green Lantern book that just came out last week, uh, I would encourage them, if the retailer actually ordered it, to mm-hmm. go back and find uh, last week's Scooby-Doo team-up, which has uh, the gang meeting Hal Jordan and Ollie Queen in sort of their the height of their 70s uh, hard-traveling heroes persona. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, along with a with a, a guest star that is very close to my heart, um, that I always say that book is a consistent uh, sort of warm fuzzy spot for an old an old reader like me because it is always full of these really weird people from continuity that they manage to you know work into. I mean, because it's a book that comes out digitally first and then they put it out in print. But, you know, you get like a eight-page story every couple weeks digitally. And, you know, there's usually some sort of classic hero or classic version of a hero and some often obscure villain. But that book always seems to make it work in sort of a lighthearted kid's way that's always sort of fun to read. I agree. And I can't think of the name of the guy who does it. Is it Sholly? I think it's yeah, it's like Shelly Fish or Sholly Fish. Something. Sholly Fish, Shelly Fish. I'm not sure. But I want that, that person to write a Captain Carrot book. They have the sensibility. And I would like, here's my wallet. Just take money out of it every month. And I have I won't even look. Just give it to me. So I, I just I do every time I read Scooby Doo team up, there was the flash issue where they had the the ghost, the gorilla sit. And I'm like, just oh, this is this is fantastic. I'm with you. I just I don't know why I don't get it every month, but just because my my pull list is kind of big and I try I'm, tr- I'm always trying to try something new because on the show we're trying to get into more stuff because after a while it becomes it becomes tough to review stuff. Uh because we, we run over a lot of the same old stuff. So we're trying with the, the the preview review, trying to do stuff that we, you know, as it comes out that we that we haven't read. So I'm always trying to try to try something new. Yeah, the thing with that Scooby-Doo book is I think it's sort of, you know, it's, it, it's issue by issue depending on who the character is. There was one not that long ago where they teamed up with Zatanna. And so there was like a cameo by like, 
half a dozen of the old school DC magicians. Mm-hmm. You know, Zatara and Zartan, or uh, Zatara, Sargon. Sargon, and the Wizard, and a bunch of people like that. There was one a couple months ago that was that was a sort of a solo Scooby where he ends up in a parallel war where he meets all these all of the like the DC dog and cat characters like Yankee Poodles in it and Ace the Bat Hounds in it. That's and... the one when uh, Nort takes them to the feline world. Yeah. Okay. That's a good. That's I buy because I will buy anything with Nord in it. So, um, I know you guys are not uh, doing Secret Empire, but is uh, is there anything at Marvel that you're you're interested in at the moment? Um, ending right now is their run on it is Jeff Lemire's Old Man Logan. I have loved that from the beginning. And we're getting into the home stretch. Lemire is going to be leaving that, but I really, I really like the take that's been on that book. I've, I have always liked uh, Mighty Thor, even though that got stretched out because of Secret Wars and everything that Civil War, everything that they do. I'm trying to think of what else at, at Marvel. I'm, I'm really enjoying all the Star Wars books. Uh, I, I'd like to see them do. Well, even my, I'll, my, I'll give credit to my one friend. I'd like to see them do an Indiana Jones book at this point. That would be really cool with some top-notch creators. Could be fun. But, uh, yeah, uh, Marvel is starting to, to lose it a little bit for me, especially now that Secret Wars is co- or Secret em- Secret Empire is coming up, and there's going to be all these, like, tie-ins and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. I want to get through this and hopefully into this generation stuff and getting it back to the basics that they call it and see what we get there. Is That's what I'm, I'm really looking forward to. What do you think about the 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 apparent return of Reed Richards? Oh, there's the I'm sorry, there's the book that I love is Infamous uh, Iron Man. Um, I I'm hoping they do because I've been reading Infamous Iron Man and I have a scenario that I do think Reed is going to come back. I think Brian Michael Bendis is going to be writing an FF book. It's the one thing he really hasn't done other than the Ultimate FF, which he's writing Reed in this. Um, I think they are going to bring him back. I think this whole happy-go-lucky, good doom thing, even though he's not happy-go-lucky, um, he's going to find out about this other Reed and, you know, messing with his mom. And then when, uh, Richard, Reed Richards comes back, it's, it's going to be a full-on hatred for him again. So that's actually my take. I'd like to see Reed come back and see the FF, but that's my weird, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy thing that we're going to get. I don't know if we've talked about it before in the past, but over the last couple of days, I reread all of Hickman's uh, FF run. Right. Um, did you read that at the time? I read everything. Now, when you're talking about his FF run, do you mean the all of it? Because I read his his book, and I didn't read the one with She-Thing or whatever it was and Ant-Man. That was yeah, that, yeah, fra- yeah I, that, that was – that's when Fraction took over the book. Okay, my mistake. But I did read Hickman's run when uh, when Doom when Doom was in it, and so that was I I love that run of Fantastic. Four. I w- I was going to ask. Uh, I know that you're a Doom aficionado, so mm-hmm. having just read it, I was I was wondering how you thought because you know his version of Doom in FF, and then I guess his version of Doom that was in Secret Wars. I you know I thought he wrote Doom great because. The kind of stuff that Hickman writes lends itself to a character like Doom, I think. 
and he grounds himself when he writes Dune. Like Hickman tries to channel Grant Morrison, and I think when he does, I don't even like Grant Morrison. So don't give me the guy who's who's trying to channel Grant Morrison. But when Hickman writes Doctor Doom, to me there hasn't been anybody who's written Doctor Doom that well in years up to that point. So I wouldn't mind seeing him do a book, but then I would get worried it would be it would get very convoluted as Hickman has a sense to do, even though that didn't happen with Secret Wars. Yeah, I would yeah, the the two takeaways that I had when I read all of this when I read his stuff the other day is one, it's a lot easier to keep track of all of the strands in that run when you read it all at once and you're not doing mm-hmm. it month by month because you know, there were stuff teased in like the very first couple issues that did not pay off until probably like what, three or four years later, probably when you when you add up all the issues. And two, I still love uh I don't know if she I love his Valeria. I don't know if she's technically a bad guy or <laughs> just you know, I keep forgetting that because she says at some point she's three and I keep forgetting that she's only three, mm-hmm. you know, because she's like super smart and all that stuff. But she's she's not quite evil, but she's kind of bad, you know, and then when she goes to make the deal with Doom and it's just it's such it's such a great a great character, you know, that I mean, that's somebody mm-hmm. we've been missing since, you know, since Reed and Sue and Franklin and Valeria have been like off screen for a while. But yeah, I was like, I forgot how much I missed that character. Right. I love, I love her as a character. You're not sure if she's, I get you. She's not sure if she's evil or not, but she's definitely Machiavellian. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, she's the one pulling all the strings all the time. So I do, I do like her as a character and it makes, I I always say this. It makes me sad and happy that uh, Marvel doesn't have the rights to the FF for movies and stuff like that, because it makes me sad that I don't get to see the book and regardless of what they say, that it's not because we don't have the movie rights. I'm like, sure it isn't. But the second thing um, is uh, I want to watch, I want to read an FF book. So that makes me sad. But the thing that makes me really happy is it really saves my wallet on classic doom merchandise. They don't put any out. So Todd doesn't have to pay for any of it. And I know that, uh, I know you don't play the Marvel Puzzle Quest the way Joe and I do, but you know there's only one Doom in in that game, and there's so many variant. You know, there's like five Wolverines and five Spider-Mans and all this kind of stuff, and it's the kind of thing where it's like you know if like the FF people weren't off limits right now. I mean, like we're starting to get some. You know, we've gotten a bunch of Inhumans in the game lately, but it's like shocking. But you know, it's it's like. Uh, it's like, yes, I want a, like, five-star white suit Doctor Doom. hmm You know, like, either the Future Foundation or the Secret Wars version. It's like, you know, ultimate, uh, I've got all the power in the universe, Doom, to do whatever the hell I want. Because, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Thanos. But, like, if Thanos isn't Doom, you know, it's like, he no, may be I've... like he may be like the number one Marvel bad guy at the moment, but but Doom will, to me Doom will always be the number one Marvel Marvel bad guy. Uh, you know what? I, I, I uh, this may shock people. Not only do I consider Doom Marvel's number one bad guy, I consider Doctor Doom the number one bad guy 
over all the other bad guys. DC, get away. There's nobody that tops him. He's so fantastic. But I, I love the, the the white outfit. My dream someday is my, my dream commission uh, in art is Asad Ribic, who did Secret Wars and he did uh, Thor God of Thunder, is old man Thor fighting white robe Secret Wars Doctor Doom. Just paint that, put it on my wall over the fireplace, and call it a day, Mark. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Todd, I want to thank you very much for doing the show today. Uh, you guys will have a new episode out on Wednesday, and the After Dark that comes out is on Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have anything else that you w- you want to plug away? No, that's all I really do is uh, the, the long box heroes in the after dark. Uh, you know I me, mean? I'm I'm a quiet guy. Nobody seems to to want me on their shows other than you. So I'm glad I'm I could come on here and talk Doctor Who, legit Doctor Who, not that you know you know dragging it down Gallifreyberg Doctor Who stuff from Joe. That's the problem that I have listening sometimes to to the Gallifreybirds is. I love Doctor Who, and I love old wrestling. So, mm-hmm. like, I love the discussion of it, but, you know, I have to take all of the, like, little snippy put-downs from, like, both of you on each of them, and I'm like, why can't we all just get along? Wait a minute, Mark. Wait. When have I ever put down wrestling? I don't think I've ever. I get it 100% correct, and I know everything about wrestling. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm the Bobby Heenan arrest of, of knowing wrestling. You know that old 80s wrestling all revolves around a certain, uh, certain thing that you can find, found, find in a bag. Mm-hmm. With a snake. With a snake. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and maybe, uh. I am going to be going to that that show in June up in your neck of the woods. So I know you guys are talking about how maybe you might be going to that. Um, so mm-hmm. if you do, I will hopefully see you there. I know I keep hearing all about this Old Forge pizza that people keep talking about. So, yes. so maybe I will get to sample some while I am up there. So I guess I guess I should make this an official plug that because I will more than likely be having a table at Breaking the Barriers, which is June 11th in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. Um, They haven't released all of the card, but I know there is going to be at least one Lucha match involving a bunch of people that I really like, which is Puma King and Tiger from CMLL versus Triton and Guerrero Maya Jr., from CMLL, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing what else uh, the guys are going to announce being at the show. We should have a new issue of the magazine out at the show. So uh, if you, Todd, are there, I will see you there. If people are listening and are thinking about going, you can check Powerbomb TV for more information about that. Um, And that is it for now. We will talk to everybody next time. I cross the void beyond the mind, the empty space that circles time. I see where others tumble blind to seek a truth they never find. Eternal wisdom is my guide. I am.